again, good evening. Just, uh, just so thankful that uh, you choose, chose to come out and hear what the Lord has for us, each and every one of us. And I just pray that uh, ears and hearts will be open to receive what he has. Um, he's been speaking to me about some, some things in my life that, uh, that I, after so many years, still struggling with it, and I know I'm not alone in that respect. But um, he's just saying, draw closer to me. And uh, initially, wow, thank you. <laughs> Didn't know there was a light there. <laughs> Let there be light. And uh, it's, it's causing a change in me uh, for the better. Uh, just uh, so many things that, that I get to see, uh, especially concerning my family, my sisters. And, uh, you know, just getting to the point where there's some things you just can't do anything about. And as I was um, studying well, the book of Ezekiel, actually, but this chapter especially, because there's some things that are hard uh, for us in the flesh, but it's not too hard for God. And one of the things that I'm learning, and he, uh, some would think that I should have learned it by now, is just do what he's calling you to do. Don't look around. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't, especially don't look behind and see what he's doing in someone else's life and thinking that you have to emulate that. You do not. Just be open to, to what God has for you. What he has for you is for you. And oftentimes we do that, and I see that a lot, and I'm learning how to deal with it. It wasn't easy uh, to see others wanting to be in a certain position because it was more visible. And so as we go through this tonight, uh, I'm going to try and uh, make some of, get, uh, some of these things that... Uh, Ezekiel is going through uh, life application. So, Lord, we again thank you for this opportunity to share and, and pray that uh, we would get it right this time. So I'm just so grateful that you uh, chose to have me here tonight, Father, and I thank you for my sisters and brothers who uh, came out as a show of support. And I also pray for anyone in the sound of my voice who may not know you yet that this would be the night of salvation. So we give you praise and honor for who you are, and we thank you especially for whose we are. May you receive the blessings of every word that's spoken here tonight, Father. May it come from you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Tonight, friends, we're going to dig into Ezekiel uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Ezekiel 4, 1 through 17. And I titled this, Jerusalem is judged. Jerusalem is judged. And as we go through this, I'm just going to ask you to fill in the blank. Blank is judged. So you can, you can go off in any direction that the Lord puts on your heart because there's so many things that we can fill in with that, and I'm not going to even make suggestions, but uh, blank is judged. First of all, Ezekiel is going to show the city of Jerusalem that there's not going to be any peace and that the city is going to be destroyed. Ezekiel is going to use certain signs and act out certain parables in front of the people. And as we go through this, um, 
there may be question as to why Ezekiel is taking this mean. Ezekiel is not making the decisions about how to portray or display what the Lord has shown him. Ezekiel is just being faithful to where the Lord is leading him. Nothing else. So, verse 1. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray on it a city. And that city is Jerusalem. And Ezekiel's mission here was to create a miniature city, uh, a, uh, a city layout of Jerusalem with walls and siege objects to illustrate Babylon's finally, final coming siege of Jerusalem. Ba Babylon is going to seize Jerusalem, and Ezekiel's mission is to portray what the Lord is showing him. And he wants the people to see something visible. Uh, he wants the people to know exactly what he's doing. So as, as we go through, especially these first three uh, scenes uh, of what uh, Ezekiel is doing, you'll get a better understanding of how the Lord is working it out. And then ask yourself if, if the Lord is doing things like that in our lives. A clay tablet was their writing material, and Babylonians used these ta tablets to keep their records. Many of these tablets have been found today, and they have, and they have writing on them. And Ezekiel was to draw the city of Jerusalem on the tablet, and then he was to break the tablet to show that the city was going to be destroyed. And this is uh, very visible to every, every Babylonian, every eye that gets to see this. And keep in mind that they understand the meaning of these acts that Ezekiel is, is portraying here. Verse 2, lay siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mount against it, set camps against it also, and place battering rams against it all around. And this is also referred to in Jeremiah 6.6. 6. For, for, thus, for thus has the Lord of hosts said, cut down trees and build a, a mound against Jerusalem. This is a city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. And Ezekiel 21, 22 uh, has a, a similar verse. In his right hand is a divination for it, Jerusalem to set up battering rams to call for a slaughter, to lift the, uh, the voice with shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to heap up a siege mound and to build a wall. And these things uh, for the ones who people who don't understand Christ so much, and this isn't the only account. So many where, you know, when we say God is love, how they interpret that word. Uh, a God of love would not do this. A God of love would not uh, take, allow a nation to be sieged. But as we get through this, and most of you already know this, you're going to see an example of extremity. You're going to see an example of why he allowed this city to be sieged. And I just pray that, you know, it will be abundantly clear because our God is love. He has to do these things. This city is just way out of control and getting worse. And the Lord, just like with us, us, and I'll say this nation, he looks on, he looks on, he looks on, and he gets to a point where he just says, you know, I got to do something about this. I have to take action. And that's what, what we're going to see as we go along. But as I said earlier, I'd like for you to see life application to what the Lord is doing here with Ezekiel. And knowing that 
this could also be you. What's he calling you to do? Are you being faithful to where he's calling you right here, right now? And a lot of us are not because the, uh, the aforementioned uh, idea that we want to look around and we want notoriety. We want to be, be somebody. And God may not call you to that. And he, if he says, just go plant the seed and keep stepping, then plant the seed and keep stepping. But I want to water. I want to see it grow. And that's not what he's calling us to. And we can run into some major problems as a result of that thinking. So verse 3, moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it and it shall be seized and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign of, to the house of Israel. And Ezekiel was obedient to him. Ezekiel was to take an iron plate and put it between himself and the pitcher of the city of Jerusalem to show that God had put a wall between himself and the city of Jerusalem. The destruction of the city had to happen. It has to be. And just like even now, what we're going through, America has to be brought low. And some of you may not know what that means or, or even agree with me. But in order for God, to his will to be done, America has to be brought low. And that's what we're seeing. And uh, because of the, 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 the iniquity, the rebelliousness, and so many other things that we described earlier in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2. The sound of the tablet represented the siege of Israel, uh, Jerusalem. The second sign of the iron plate showed the hardships of divine judgment that the people were to go through terrible suffering. A third sign describes additional punishment in Jerusalem. It is the sign of the defiled bread. And that's going to be, get very interesting because it's hard for us to understand even the Lord's servant, how he has or she has to go through hardships. Uh, we think back on Daniel. We think back on uh, uh, Esther. We think back on uh, Ruth. We think back on... Jeremiah, so many others that had to go through some things. And, the, and again, sometimes we feel because it doesn't represent our definition of love, that it's not the Lord. The Lord has to do things. Everyone in this room has gone through some type of, I want to use the word punishment, but hope you know what I mean by that. We had to go through something. He was trying to get our attention. He was using the soft voice. The soft, gentle voice, and we weren't responding. So he had to resort to other means, and, and even the best of us in this room have gone through it. I need your attention. Not now. I'm, I'm a little busy, God. Uh, can you get back uh, next Thursday? But he has to do that, and, and there are no exceptions to that. Verse 4, lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. Ezekiel's action was represent the time of Israel's punishment. And that's what this is all about. Verse 5, for I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days, 390 days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Each day in this represents a year, 390 years of iniquity. 390 years of going against what the Lord is calling them to do. 
390 years of just living through the flesh. That's a long time. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And, and that's, that's a long time for, for us. And we've been out of his will for more than that. Yet, we're still standing. That's mercy. That's grace. And I'm just so thankful that uh, he has that in abundance. Because by the grace of God, this could be any of us. And there have been other areas where he's trying to reach us. He has been and continues to try and reach us. We need to just draw closer to him in every way. Uh, Verse 6. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. Forty days I have laid on you a day for each year. And Ezekiel was probably in a prone position when he was doing this. The only time he didn't come out of that position is when he was preparing the bread, as we'll see later in in verse 9. But uh, he's lying on his side, likely facing north, illustrated God's applying judgment to Israel on, on uh, on the right side. And facing south, pointed for judgment on Judah, which was also guilty, And the 40 years by no means represent that there was less guilt coming out of Judah. And that may be a little confusing. Well, that means that that they were many times more guilty than, than Judah. That's not the case. And see, when God measures, he doesn't measure on the curb. He measures on the cross. And so what we're seeing now is both of these nations were punished and one had a longer history than the others, it didn't really matter. That's not how God judges. And that's how he's judging us. Some of us have lived many years, and some of us not so much. But God has the same heart, the same mind for each and every one of us. And so he, uh, again, like the word tells us, he's, he's not a respectable person. And so when we are out of control, when we're rebellious, when we're we're just living in the flesh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We, we have that mindset. And so it's just a matter of time before God's going to say, okay, that's enough. And he's going to do what he has to do with you, for you, to you, whatever it takes. And he has ways of reaching us. And everybody here knows that because we came from somewhere to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And now you ask yourself, would you prefer to go back to where you were? And I I pray that we're all saying, absolutely not. That's my prayer because there's a reason why we did it. We were living on our own, doing what we wanted to do in the flesh. And it got to the point where he brought us low. Some of us very low. And now we have a relationship with him. And and again, I pray that there be no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And that's, I pray that we all have that heart. And it's, it's a, is it an easy path? The answer is no, it is not. But it is the best path to take. Verse 7, therefore you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arms shall be uncovered and you shall uh, prophesy against it. Arms uncovered is a symbol of being ready for action, as a soldier would do. And that's what he's calling for us. Be ready. 
And now, more than ever, we need to be ready. If you are living with eyes wide open, heart wide open, you know that Jesus is coming back soon. There's no denying that, regardless of whether you want to believe or not. And he's just showing us that. Be ready. Be ready because, you know, uh, for him to come back and say, I never knew you, that's pretty heartbreaking. But, Lord, look at all the stuff that I've done. Look at all the people that I've helped. Look how much I've gone to church and look how much I've, I've served. And we go in that works mentality and it's not going to make it. We're going to be sorely disappointed when he says that. How can you recognize, not recognize all the things that I've done? Verse 8. And surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have in it the days of your siege. Ezekiel 3.25 says, And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot get go out among them. And this is uh, some symbology that is uh, maybe misinterpreted quite a bit because uh, verse 8 uh, symbolizes the impossibility of the Jews being able to shake off their punishment. As I said earlier, it has to happen. It will happen. God, his promises are yea and amen, whether they're in your favor or not. He cannot lie. When he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. And so he's saying that Israel has to be taken under siege. Jerusalem has to be taken under siege, and, and we can't deny that. This verse is often interpreted as the enemy binding Ezekiel so they can take him out of the house. However, Ezekiel wanted to stay in that house and he would not go, although they had bound him. And Ezekiel is going to act out what God is, going, uh, is calling him to do. Even staying in that house, this is what the Lord has called him to do. He locks himself in to show that God has rejected this rebellious people. Now, keep in mind, uh, as we talked about in uh, Ezekiel uh, uh, chapter 3, about Ezekiel being the watchman. This is what he's called to do. Not an easy task for anyone. Uh, the watchman in today's uh, environment would be ministers, uh, pastors, deacons, elders, uh, those sort. And we need to keep an eye on what's going on, and we need to be in tune with God. We can't get proper instructions unless we're getting instructions from the master. We can't. And I know that word is not uh, normally a part of my vocabulary, but in this context, I'll stick with it. Um, because if we don't, then we're going to end up destroying, causing others to be destroyed. And you could say, well, you're on your own, but... If we go back to Ezekiel 3, it doesn't look at it like that. You are responsible. You as a watchman are responsible. Getting the word out, ministering to the people, and then let the proverbial chips fall where they may. And that's how it is. And, and, but I don't want to do this. It's not a matter of whether you want to or not. If you trust the Lord, you're going to follow his instruction. You're going to follow his commandments. You're going to follow his ordinances. And so I just... Uh, I beg you, listen to him. Beg you, listen. And it really makes a difference. Verse 9. Also take for yourself wheat, barley, beans, lentils, 
millet, and spelt. Put these into one vessel and make bread of them for yourself. During the number of days that you lie in your side, 390 days you shall eat it. Wow, that's a lot of bread. Well, a long time. The scarcity of food during this siege made it necessary to mix all kinds of grain for bread. And that's what he had to do. Uh, but it gets uh, a little bit more intense. Verse 10. And your food which you eat shall be by weight. Twenty shekels a day. From time to time you shall eat it. Verse 11. You shall also drink water by measure. One sixth of a hen. From time to time you shall drink. You have to drink sparingly. You have to eat sparingly because this has to last you for a long time. Twenty shekels would be about eight ounces. And while one-sixth of a, shen would, a hen would be about a quart. And, these, uh, and there would be minimums for daily rations. And everything that he's doing, he's rationing it out. And there's a reason for this. Everything that he's asking Ezekiel to do, everything that he's showing, it symbolizes what he's doing in the nation, that nation, everything. So the, the rationing, the food, and even later on as we get down there, you'll see other things that he's doing. Uh, Twelve, and you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it using fuel of human waste in their sight. I want you to use this human waste, but I want you to do it in front of the people. I want them to see uh, how I feel about them at this time. You're going to use human waste as fuel. But we need to understand what he's really showing them here. Uh, the, uh, the command regarding human waste relates only to the fuel used to prepare the food. Bread was baked on hot stones heated by human waste because no other fuel was available. But the Lord is going to do this because he knows that Ezekiel as a priest has never eaten unclean food. And this would be considered unclean. So what the Lord is going to do, well, I'll just keep reading. In Daniel 1.8, well, first of all, verse 13, then the Lord said, Show shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles, where I will drive them. Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And there are other examples of that and some that were called to not do these things, but they did them anyway, such as Samson and Judges. Uh, and most of us would be overwhelmed by these instructions. But they were especially difficult for Ezekiel because he was a priest and had never eaten anything unclean. So imagine your priest and the Lord is commanding you to cook your food and use human waste as a fuel. But even through this, you'll see the Lord's graciousness. The Lord knows this. He knows Ezekiel has never eaten unclean food. So what he's going to do, he's going to make provisions for, for Ezekiel. Verse 14, so I said, ah, Lord God, indeed, I have never defiled myself from my youth till now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was uh, torn by beasts, nor has a dominant flesh ever come into my mouth. And uh, this would be a sign 
uh, for the people and a, a sign for us. Uh, the Lord of the famine that Jerusalem would experience at the time of the destruction of the city. Uh, this was a sign from him. The false prophets continue to make promises. Ah, don't worry about it. And even today, the false prophets that are among us today, uh, you know, this thing in Israel, peace is going gonna, gonna to end up peacefully. And th this is what the prophets said because they wanted to encourage the people. And we understand that. We want them to be encouraged, but this is what they were telling. There was going to be peace, but God had already said that the siege would be carried out regardless. Uh, the false prophets continued to make promises. They were telling the people that they were going to have peace, but the city and the people were going to be lost. They were going to be lost, and there's no amount of whatever they want to do. The, the, the writing was on the wall, and for them to have that peace, the signs describe the horrors that were to take place, and they were very afraid. There are people among us today, this very day, who are afraid about what's going on. They're afraid. They're very nervous. And even by their own admission, they, they don't receive any more podcasts concerning these issues. And it's really a shame because they think that the powers that be can just go in and clean up this mess, ignoring the fact that God is in control. This is his will that these things be carried out. And we don't understand it. God, there's got to be another way. And if there is, you know, show us. But that's not enough for us. We've already seen disastrous errors, and we went right back to where we were prior to that. And it's not going to be any different. So, uh, again, someone today was mentioning you know, the fact that God is showing signs and wonders. He always is. But that's not what draws a heart to Christ. Signs and wonders would never be enough. And we've proven that throughout Scripture. We've seen that throughout Scripture, where no matter what he shows them, yeah, but what do you got now? What have you done for us lately? And these signs uh, that, the, uh, that they were telling the people that, they were lies. It was, I don't know, I, I would just have to say wishful thinking. That's not thus says the Lord, but, but they were trying to convince some people, the, the people that, that they would see peace and that they, they would not uh, be able to be, it would not be possible that they would see these horrors that were to take place. Again, there's only one prince of peace, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. He's saying, again, these things have to be. These things have to come to pass. I want to teach you. I want you to learn. And, and I've allowed you to, to just be out of control for so long, and then I, I have to reel you in. I have to put you on a shorter lease. Verse 15, then he said to me, see, I am giving you a cow dung, giving you cow dung instead of human waste, and you shall prepare your bread over it. This is God's grace. This is God's mercy. This, this, man, this watchman is a Levite. This watchman has never eaten anything that was unclean. So what he did, he would, uh, he would just give him uh, cow dung for, that would be permitted for food. And that would be dry cow chips for cooking uh, Ezekiel's bread. And 
he's willing to do these things for us. He's willing to, if there's some things, and uh, keep in mind that even to God, this was repulsive. You know, this, was, this wasn't something that uh, he really wanted to do, but he showed the sign to the people of what he wanted to do in that nation. And that was the idea, regardless of whether Ezekiel cooked his bread over human waste or cow manure. The Lord's point was getting through to the people, and that was the whole idea. So I, I see here where he's, he's teaching them something. And when we look at that from life application, has he softened the blow for you in any way? Has he made provisions for you to understand him better, to love him more, to really want to read his word, to really want to honor him. And I just think of um, verses uh, that, that have penetrated my one in particular, uh, in, uh, and it says, in order to be a friend, you must also, in, in order to have a friend, you must also be a friend. And I see that way too often, people who just, they read the word, they, they quote the word, but they're not living it. And that's, that probably breaks my heart more than anything. And that's just a personal thing with me. And what I'm finding, though, is that more and more he's been giving me opportunities to see this, to understand people who do that, and to pray for them. You know, and I just, it's just, when I see people like this, I, I just pray that they would just, uh, the Lord would put on their heart to ask himself, am I a divider or am I a uniter? What, what do I do? When, when I'm with a group of people, am I more likely to divide them or unite, unite them? And sometimes by what I get to see, I'm not sure if they really understand what they're doing. And forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they're doing. And that's what I think of. And this is a little out of context of here because this is not something that I really want to mention. But it's really been, I've been finding that very disturbing within the last three, four weeks. Because I'm, he's allowing me to be more observant and to look around. Look around and see what's happening. And as a, a brother of mine said to me a few weeks ago, he says, I noticed that. You see, to be on the fringe quite a bit lately, and that's why, because the Lord has given me an opportunity to observe and uh, to see these things and, and make sure that there's not something of me that's like that. And I, I can't judge. I really can't judge anybody, but I, I, I hear the talk and I watch the walk. And they don't match up. And so uh, it's just something that I, I just felt that I had to express tonight because it's really, it's really heavy. I'm carrying it. And one thing I always say is I'm not going to allow anybody to rent space in my head. But I've been a liar. I have allowed two people in particular to rent space in my head. This is a, a personal confession, and I'm not, I'm not happy with it. And I know the Lord isn't either. And so he's just saying, you know, if, if you need to stay on the French, then stay on the French. And it's, it seems to be out of, out of my personality. But again, you guys heard me say it, you know, 31 times. Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. 
And uh, I want to live to that. I want to live with that. And uh, just to think that you don't 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 talk about it, be about it. And to see this going on and, and know this is affecting me in a way that I thought it never would. I never thought that I would be able to uh, be that judgmental of anyone, but I am. Because they're not, they're not honoring the Lord. And I know that, you know. And it's, anyway. Uh, verse 17. That they may like bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. And that's why the Lord, the people were soon to have neither bread nor water in any amount. And they were to grieve over the famine and their iniquity. Are we there? Are we getting to the point? We're not there yet in this nation. We are not. The people sitting in this room are not. But there are some who are. There's no food. There's no water. But they know that iniquity is in great, great amount. And that's the end result of that. So when God is punishing anyone, if you want to call it punishment, then should we be excluded from that? And the answer is no. But just by the grace of God, he just keep on giving us chance after chance after chance. What are we doing about it? Um, one other thing is, I'm finding that there are people that that we used to talk scripture and I, I have been allowed myself to become weary and well-doing because these same people now they want to talk podcasts and very rarely do we talk about the word anymore and it's a little bit discouraging to me and that pushes me even closer to the fringe but am I doing the best thing was in the interest of the, of the gospel when I recoil and go to the fringe as opposed to getting in the thick of things. And these are, I'm saying this, but it's to, in my heart, it's in question form. Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, and, and I do allow myself to go in with preconceived notions that these people need to know the Lord. And sometimes I... I have a tendency to, to back off, and the Lord won't let me rest with that. My heart waxes over when I don't do what he says. And again, when I'm, I'm talking to me, I'm, I'm talking to anybody out there who can relate. Uh, are you being about your father's business? Are you doing what he's asked you to do? Do you know your place in God's heart? Do you know where your mission field is? Do you know where it is? Do you know what it is? Do you know why it is? And you only have to be able to answer two of those. You don't need to know why. You need to know what. And have at it. The Lord wants us to step up. Not bash heads, not carry picket signs. He wants us to pray. Pray for what's going on in other nations. Pray for this body. 
Pray for the body of Christ. Because there's so many things that we, when we ask the question uh, to uh, so-called believers, you can ask the question, what's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know and I don't care. Wrong answer. And that's where a lot of us are. We're apathetic about what's going on. We're ignorant about what's going on. We're ignorant about God's word because we don't read it. And ignorance is not going to be an excuse. They're scriptural. Well, nobody ever told me, well, have you ever read the word of God? Yeah, what does it say about that? His word is written on your heart. That's the beginning. Do you have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you? And these are the kind of things that uh, you guys are going to hear, at least when I get to do this, you're going to hear over and over and over again because desire of my heart is that we have that relationship. You know, even tonight, hearing that a person was asked, are you a believer? And either one or two things, when they hesitate, either they don't understand the question or they don't know the meaning of the word that you're asking. Now, a true believer more than likely is going to be able to say yes. A true believer with a pure heart. Or the other option is that person could be afraid of the gospel. He could be ashamed of the gospel or she could be ashamed of the gospel. So when we ask these questions, which we should, make sure that you're on the the, uh, level ground when you're asking these questions. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Are you born again? These are the kind of, this is how we need to set the stage. Not to batter anybody. Not to be a nuisance. But to get a better understanding. There are people around us, every one of us, who need to know Jesus, who need to know Jesus. Are we concerned about that? Or are you the kind of person that says, well, I've already prayed for them for 32 days, and they haven't given in yet, so I'm, I'm just going to forget them. What if God felt that way about you and me? Where would B be if he said, some of us, I, he, man, he... He chased us till we caught him. And it's, it's just incredible to me personally how we ignore that. We forget very soon how God has worked in our lives. We forget very soon how he was patient with us. We forget very soon what it's like to have those mercies plentiful every single day. We forget that. And when my brother was doing uh, communion a week or so ago, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And, you know, years and years ago, I used to think about, what is that saying that we can forget him? Can you forget the Lord? And to put that in in, in, uh, secular terms, terms, can you forget mom? Can you forget your mom? 
Can you forget your dad? Some of us can, but that's a different story. So where are we? What are we doing with what he's given us? And uh, there's a song. I don't know that many songs, but it says, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We're wasting time like someone's making more. What are we waiting for? And it said, you know, something along the lines of, what if our lives were the only life that some people would see? What if you're the only person that, that honors the Lord that this person's ever going to meet? What are you going to do about it? Uh, they'll meet somebody else. Do you know that? Can you truthfully say that with a pure conscience that somebody else would minister to them? Can you say that? What are we waiting for? Jesus is coming back soon and very soon. Let's be ready. Let's uncover those arms. Let's open up those hearts. Let's open up our eyes and ears. There are a lot of people out there who are hurting so many different ways. And he's called us for a time such as this. So many people that are hurting. And some of us are just, well, I know my scripture. I'm going to keep it to myself. That's not the idea. We've got something good, and we should want to share it with anyone and everyone. Don't stop. Keep on sharing. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on reaching out. Keep on asking the Lord, what is it you would have me to do? And be prepared for the answer. If he says, I want you to do something that you consider that's beneath you, no, he wouldn't ask you if it was beneath you. Because in your mind, if you're a true servant, if you have a servant's heart, nothing's beneath you. Within reason. He says, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. We just got to be open to what he has for us. And be serious about it, folks. And not serious to the point of you're, you know, you're, you're a downer, but joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We will not be quiet. Let's live that. Let's make that our mantra. Let's make that the fact that we want to know him and we want everybody else to know him. When we got something good, when we know something good, we can't wait to share it with friends and family. Neighbors. Who's my neighbor? Anybody that you see is your neighbor. Let's be ready to share. And that's my prayer tonight that we will be open to what he has for us. Unfortunately, there's too much, uh, too many people playing church. That's dangerous, very dangerous. Not just to themselves, but the people around them. Lord, what would you, what you, what you have me to do? And make sure it's sincere. Because you may not like the answer, but that shouldn't have anything to do with the outcome. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, I have a works mentality. Is that gonna, isn't that going to get me through? No. Read the book of James. Lord, I've done great things. I've helped a lot of people. I pray with a lot of people. Isn't that going to get me through? No. Read the Bible. The whole Bible. 
But Lord, I got these special skills, these special talents that I could apply to your kingdom. So doesn't that count for anything? Depends on your motive. What's your motive? Pray. Lord, we just thank you for this evening, and we just pray now, Father, that you would just continue to protect my sisters and brothers in their hearts, and not just for the ones sitting here, but anyone within the sound of my voice, Father, I pray that, that they would understand the, the seriousness of, of being your child. They are your children, but to have a special personal relationship with you, Father, there's nothing better. So I just pray for those. If there's anyone among us who does not yet know you as the Lord and Savior, that they will come forward asking, what must I do to be saved? So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share, and I pray that your word was rightly divided, Lord. I thank you for the, uh, the sweet worship that was sent up, Father. I, I know the incense is reaching you, and I, I just pray, Father, that if I said anything, even one word tonight that discouraged my sister and brother, I pray that you would strike it from us right now, Father. So, Lord, have your way. Have your way, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.